Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I are going to do something a little different. We are going to chat about some of the math involved in business building and entrepreneurship and a little bit of the mindset. We just touch on that at the end a little bit. And the reason that we're talking about the math is I can't tell you over the last it's six months specifically last year. Um, definitely. We just had a lot of people ask us how to grow their business to the next level. And ultimately this is the conversation that always comes up. Are they tracking these numbers in their business or if they're about to launch a new business, are they aware of these numbers and how are they going to start looking at them? How are they going to start measuring them? So this is what we are doing on this particular episode. So it's a little different, but these are some of the biggest things that we have tracked over the years that have really changed our business and I think given us the opportunity to grow the business beyond perhaps where we originally thought we could get to and it's this, the exact numbers that we look at to grow this business to the next level. So that's why we're sharing this. It has come up repeatedly over the last few years and it's Nick and I sitting down for about an hour going through it. The last 20, I think it's 20 minutes or so, we dabble into some mindset stuff. So we get into that and we share some of the books that have been valuable to us and all this stuff as well. And if you are listening to this particular episode and you haven't checked out what we're doing at Rockstar yet. What the heck are you waiting for? Go to rockstarinnercircle.com. You can get access to all the reports that we're putting out, all the books that we have available, all videos, all the podcasts, all the different blog posts that we share, all available to you on that website. And if you are not part of our weekly email list, at you, the very least, you should be on there to look at the personality-based follow-up that we discuss on this very episode. So if you are interested in entrepreneurship at all, thinking about building your own business in the future, a side hustle in the future, and you want to see how the follow-up is done in a business that is actually doing it and is leveraging what they're talking about, you can join our weekly email list that goes out to tens of thousands of people by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com. If you scroll down a little bit on that page, you can throw in your name and email address and you will get that weekly follow-up from us. And there's a whole bunch of juicy information in there every week that is not available anywhere else. And that's all available to you at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live. Um, do you see Baby Yoda? No, yeah, someone pointed it out this morning. Yeah. yeah. It's my children got for me for my 50th birthday. Baby Yoda. But it's crystal. It's a crystal baby Yoda. Why Why baby Yoda? Well, I guess they th I'm a Star Wars fan. Because you're a baby? No, I thought, uh, the did way I looked at it was... complain a lot around the house? Oh, definitely that. <laughs> but I, I, the way I looked at it was baby Yoda was like, Yoda's really intelligent and wise. But baby Yoda's like, you know, it's like there's a lot to learn because you're a baby. So maybe it's like they gave it to me because they think, Dad, you're so wise, but... You're smart to learn, but you're smart enough to know you have a lot to learn. Notice how I said you're smart enough to know, like it's a positive. Yeah. Maybe that's why I got baby Yoda. I really should have asked them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I got baby Yoda for my 50th birthday and now baby Yoda's in the office over my, over my shoulder. So listen, on this episode, we were going to talk about some of the biggest, I think, I think this stuff blew my mind when I learned it. And the biggest business building thing, I'll never forget when we were going to start this business. And I was in our parents' basement watching, I guess it was a DVD. I want to say it was a VHS, but I guess it was a DVD of Dan Kennedy explaining these concepts. And I think, I, I, I don't think, I remember calling you afterwards going, oh my God, Nick, I finally understand something. And it's when he explained the concept of lifetime value of a customer. And he was saying that, you know, you, you get in business to acquire customers and I never understood it. Like I didn't yeah. understand what he meant. I, re I remember the example he used was the Costco example. Um, and he, he said on average, I don't know where he had this stat, but it was like on average, someone that's a Costco member with a membership card would drive by, you know, X number of stores to go to Costco and those stores sell basically the same thing that they could get at Costco, but they're going there. And it's like how dedicated those those customers are and that when Costco gets, you know, people look at the Costco model and, the, you know, it looks like there's this barrier to becoming a customer there. But when they get one, the lifetime value of that customer, because of, I guess, what they've had to go through is just so much more valuable than other retailers. And that's what's given them so much strength, I guess, over the years. Didn't he, was it you also? I think we read some Costco profile at one point that said, 
the the net income or the profit they're making off of the goods is almost zero or negligible. Like their their total net income comes from that the membership dues. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if that's accurate. Yeah, at one point it was it, at one point it was accurate, but I don't know if it was actually like the membership dues or if or it just, the equivalent of the, yeah, if it was just a coincidence yeah. that it seemed it seemed that way. But at one point that's I, well, at least I do remember reading that someplace. So yeah, I don't know if it's is it's accurate too because I don't remember the source, but it seemed it seemed that way because they have a they have a limit on their markup. What is this? 15%, 20%? Like they like limit, a self-imposed limit. Yeah. They have a, a self-imposed limit on what they will mark up their, the, the goods that they sell. Um, I, 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 I know I've somebody, read so much about Costco now. I forget the stuff. I wish I had it. I know somebody so who, who supplies Costco with some of their sportswear stuff and Costco always presses them for cheaper and cheaper prices. And these guys want the business. So they even eat their own margin just to kind of get their brand out to these customers. And they're just making a tiny, tiny fraction of profit, but to satisfy Costco's needs and they'll even redevelop the product. So for example, if they're selling like a backpack, I know they'll go back and ship the prototypes back to the factory and remove some zippers and pockets to save costs to get to, to meet Costco's numbers. So sometimes you're getting a product that's not the exact equivalent. I know sometimes you get awesome products from Costco. I'm not trying to say that, but sometimes you're getting something that has been adapted a little bit to shave off costs somewhere. Sure. So yeah. That they can fit the Costco model, but they all, well, the couple of guys I know that have, um, I've spoken to about Costco. They say working with them is actually really good. They, they enjoy working with them. I mean, there are a lot of limitations. They squeeze them and that type of stuff. I talked to one guy that imports um, bathroom vanities and to Costco and Home Depot. So he, he does, you know, a couple of the diff, different big boxes. And it wasn't that he was talking about about Home Depot. I was asking him about Costco specifically. And he's like, he said, they're, they're, cause I asked him about the returns, how he's kind of got to eat them and stuff. And he's like, yeah, it's a pain, but working with them is pretty good. Works out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, this idea, so Costco basically sells a membership and they have a cost in acquiring new members, but they've acquired a new member that's a customer and they know the average customer value or lifetime value of a customer to them. And these concepts were really like kind of blew my mind because I had never really thought about business in the, the sense of getting a customer. I always thought business was making a sale, like offering value and making a sale and moving on. But Dan Kennedy was one of the first to give me this thinking that like, oh my gosh, like when you acquire a customer, if you're good at what you do, that person is predisposed to buy from you again. So acquiring a customer really has more value than one single transaction. This same thing could be applied to anything. If you're in sales and you have accounts, if you earn a new account, if you treat the account properly, that account's gonna buy from you over and over and they will upsell and you can upsell and sell them more and more things. So that was what blew my mind that like, wow, you spend money in marketing to acquire a new customer. But that's only the start of the value there because if that customer over the lifetime of your relationship with them buys from you once, twice, five times, 10, 15 times, the value of that customer isn't just that first sale. The value of acquiring a customer could be many multiples higher than that first sale. And when you understand that in business, it changes the amount of money that you're willing to spend to acquire that customer. For some people, some, For some people, people still won't do it. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard concept to gather. But if you think of it that way, it really changes the math. And I think I remember another example that we read some time ago was that proactive, the I think the acne skin cream company, they go so negative to acquire customers. I forget if it was five months. I thought it was like eight and a half months or something when we read this article. But it made sense that they're able to bankroll spending so much money that when they get a new customer, they're actually losing money when that customer subscribes to their creams for every month over the first eight months. They're only making money after eight, eight and a half months, whatever it is. And that is a barrier to entry for the competition because proactive is willing to go so negative to acquire customers and spend so much money that they don't make anything in profit for at least eight months. A competitor coming to the market has to match that Otherwise, they can't penetrate the market share that Proactive is willing to acquire with so much marketing spend. So it's actually like a barrier that Proactive has put around its own business because they're willing to go so negative to acquire customers. And when I say negative, I mean literally spend more money than they make in sales for many months. Yeah, and when you say acquire a customer, just I mean, that's basically to get someone to buy with them the first time, right? I think that's where people get... It, it, it can be hard because if you haven't gone through this initially, so 
you know, if we look at, um, I'm trying to think of a monthly membership, look at the gym, a gym membership and call it a hundred bucks a month, right? So the gym owner is trying to get a new member. It's a hundred bucks a month. doesn't really know how long people stay for, but it might be a year. The average person stays for a year. So it's $1,200. So in theory, he should be, he or she should be happy spending a thousand dollars to get a customer because over the course of a year, they're changing that thousand dollars into 1200 bucks right? Assuming there's no other cost of goods and that type of stuff, right? So it's a 20% return. So, but if you talk to that, if you talk to the person say, well, why don't you spend a thousand dollars? Like, that's crazy. That's way too much. I want to do free marketing on social media, or I want to spend 10 bucks or, you know, and then, so you're trying to also have to bankroll that for a year. They could be losing money to get, I get it. Yeah. But I'm just saying just, just the logic itself. And like, totally being simplistic yep. here yep. and and it just it's hard to kind of for them to to just come to terms with being willing to do that in any way shape or form because it just they just they don't get it but but in theory if you're trying to um get a twelve hundred dollar sale from someone because it's a hundred dollars a month over the year and you're only willing to spend 10 bucks you're just being too cheap mm-hmm it's mind-blowing when you think of it that way because in your example when you said spend a thousand to earn 1200 over the course of a year assuming you can get them to stay a year so i know we're, we're simplifying here that they do stay well, we're, I'm, i was saying that they know that the average, average person does which which a lot of yeah. a lot of businesses won't know that number not until you them, start they, tracking and yeah. have a few years of data but if they stay a year you earn 1200 dollars in you know to go back to your example you could spend one thousand one hundred and ninety nine dollars earn 1200 you're still ahead of the game because you're earning a dollar like if every time i had $1,199 i give it to you and you gave me 1200 back i should be wanting to do that with you as many times as humanly possible because every time we make that trade i'm earning a dollar so you can really just go you know right to the max you wouldn't do you'd buy bitcoin instead because you know you for the dollar you wouldn't do it but i know your point yeah yeah, no, the right answer is to always buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> the right answer is to always buy more. No, but I know but, your point. But you have to do some business to earn some money to be able to buy some, yeah. some Bitcoin. But uh, but it's like anyone selling anything online. So like, like the, you know, the, the, the best people that are, are the most successful online, like online retailers. And we know some guys that have built some good Amazon businesses um, and that type of thing, different things online, on Amazon or off, uh, off Amazon. And they know all their numbers inside and out. And that's what they'll do. Because if they're selling a product if for $19.99, well, then if they can spend 12 bucks to get the customer and get $19.99, they're making seven bucks. They're not worried about spending $1. And they might spend $16, $17 because there's their margin right there, that extra two bucks. And then they just need to sell, sell on volume based on that margin. So I know it, like it, it'll, it, the formula and what they're willing to spend will change slightly, obviously, depending on... Um, uh, the business and their margins and cost of goods and delivery and you know all that type of thing. But once you work out those numbers, you have an idea, and then you just focus on how you can how you can do that. So if you're starting a business, and some of the things that I think you and I would probably want to track, if we were working with somebody out of the gates and we wanted to track some stuff, it would probably be some things around um, cost per lead. How much money do we have to spend to get a new lead? Someone to raise their hand and express in some way, shape or form, whether it's a phone call into the office or an email or a text message or something that they are somewhat interested in doing business with us. How much does it cost to get that cost per lead? And we would do that probably by media source. Like if we were advertising on Facebook, we would have that separate than Google. And the reason I'm mentioning is because a lot of people that just look at um, free marketing channels. They'll be like, well, my cost per lead is, is nothing. And that's fair um, for for those things. But it's hard to amplify the business when you're only trying to do yeah. that versus turning up, the, you know, cranking up the kind of uh, the speed a little bit when you want to spend some money on paid for marketing. Yeah, this is the point I guess you want to get to. You want to kind of graduate beyond free. Most people with free marketing can't grow their business to any substantial way. I'm hesitating because there's always exceptions. To of course. Yeah. But in most of the stuff that we see, so cost per lead. And then after that, it's usually going to be how many of those leads do we need to get to earn a new customer? And then that's when the magic happens, because if you know the cost per lead and if you know you have to get a hundred. So if your cost per lead is $10, and you know you have to get 100 people to raise their hand and express some sort of interest, either through direct messages or whatever you're tracking it. You know, for us, a lot of the times it's getting email addresses or whatever. Um, if you need 100 people and for every 100 new leads, you get one new customer and it's $10 per lead. Now we know it's $1,000 to earn a new customer. And then you actually have some really good business intelligence about your own business. Because if it's $1,000 to earn a customer and what you're selling is like $1, well, you better sell a lot of those $1 items to that person to make it worth acquiring them. 
Or if what you're selling is $10,000 or $1,200 to your previous example and we're acquiring at 1,000, things are looking rosy. So that's kind of the, ba it seems so basic to me at this point, but at the time, I'll just never forget, forget when I first heard that, it was like mind blowing, because I just never thought about that. Well, you got so much other stuff going on and any entrepreneur or business owner does to then take the time to sit back and, and start looking at those numbers. It takes time to put things in, in place to be able to do that. And if you're not familiar with it, it just seems like a, a barrier. So how would somebody put, what, like how would they start putting things into place to do that? Yeah, it just depends on what, what kind of channels they have already. So for, for us, I mean, the way we would look at it is any marketing that we would do, so paid for marketing, well, anything really, but um, we'll use paid for marketing as an example. So if you're using Facebook ads, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, you know, Google, Google whatever, whatever you want to use, um, we would be sending those specifically someplace that we could see how much traffic it's getting. So how many people are looking at that ad and then from that ad, how many people are getting to whatever it is, what web page that we're, we're offering. Look, even if it's a phone call, we would have a specific phone number they would call so we could see how many how many types of, how many people called that number in any given week or month or whatever time frame we were looking at. So it doesn't have to be online, but so much is done online, right? It's typically gonna be a website. And then we would look at how many people specifically went to that website. And then we would uh, we would look at how many people opted in from that website. And that gives us that number, right? Because so we, we know our ad spend, we know how many people got there. Um, and then we know the, the, the how many leads we got. So if you're working with a business now, would you do anything where you couldn't track that stuff? Well, I mean, we, you do, we do try. this podcast every month, every week, mm. every multiple times a week. So mm. yeah, there, what, what, there is, but I, I, nothing's an exact science. Mm. I think that's what I'm trying to say. So nothing's an exact science, but anything that we set up he, here or anything that I was to set up in a new business, you know, especially if I'm spending money, because we look at marketing as investment money. Mm. So we're investing money. I want to return on the investment. So if I can't track the return, then what am I doing? So, so that's why over time we didn't do much branding type things where you would do like a branding exercises with some media companies because we couldn't track it. So it was of no use to us. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird when someone first came to us and they're like, you know, and in the real estate investing community around here, like you, you, you guys have this brand and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like we never tried to have a brand, mm -hmm. but I guess it's just a byproduct of, you know, being in business for a certain amount of time and then having your stuff out there. It ultimately kind of, I think that's a byproduct of this. And if you have the money to do brand advertising, you want to do flashy ads that, you know, I don't know, with just have your logo all over the place and says you've been in business since for the last 25 years and you give good service or something, then do it by all means, if that's what you want to do. But, you know, f most business owners and, and entrepreneurs, especially starting out, they don't have that. Like th those funds aren't available. And even if they were, they can be spent on much more efficiently yeah, with what we're talking about. I was going to say research and develop. I was thinking of tech companies. Like uh, I don't know why I was thinking of an email autoresponder, uh, an email, um, like a sender thingy, mm. <laughs> an email service. Um, and, uh, I was thinking like, if you had something like that, then why wouldn't you spend it just making that product better and then be more efficient with your marketing dollars? Yeah, and I guess another way to look at it too would be, you know, I was gonna use a dollar figure, like anything under 10 million, then I was thinking, maybe, no, maybe 20 million, maybe 25, maybe 30 million, anything in gross revenues under that amount, you just shouldn't be spending on branding. But you could spend money on branding type things. If you're, let's say you are selling horse um, apparel or horse equipment, to the niche of, you know, people under 20 in Ontario and you sold the best, I don't know, horse. Yeah, so to Ella, so, you're trying to sell it to my yeah, daughter. Yeah, you're, if you're selling into that category, very defined niche, and you have like 70% of the market share, well then maybe if there is a competition, you are going to do some branding exercise. Yeah, like you're sponsoring because, the, the shows or whatever. Because you are the dominant force there and people are looking for you. So you want to be in their face a little bit. So it's not really a dollar thing that would kind of stop me from branding. It'd probably be percentage of market share in your niche. And if you're at a certain percentage, then maybe branding. But if you're starting out and you have no percentage mind share or market share in your niche, to do branding stuff to me is almost useless when you could do tracking like we're talking about cost per lead, how many leads to get a customer, cost per customer, and then lifetime value of a customer. Yeah, I think it's far more valuable. And I mean, I think you explained it better with that example than a revenue number because I was struggling before with revenue number and as you started speaking because you brought up proactive before. Proactive, 
from last, my understanding was, uh, I believe it was a billion dollar product. I think, correct, yeah, they right? sold the business for one or three billion. I, I've no, so I mean, we're just pulling numbers at this point. But anyways, it's very healthy business. The the And I don't know the, what percentage they ever did on branding, but I just know from looking at their marketing, which was the infomercials and the online ads and stuff, the like vast any, majority yeah. was all direct response where they're tracking everything that's happening. Exactly. When are people calling on that, uh, on that infomercial? What minute? What do they have to change? What celebrities produce these results? What is the price point? Do we, how do we bundle? All that stuff mm-hmm. was being tracked. Like they were, they were all into these numbers and it wasn't, you know, they didn't start at 1 million and then do it at a five million 10 million 20 million and then stop they kept going all the way and i think that's it's there's something to be said for that i mean there's a number of different companies that will look look at things like that and they just know where the revenue is coming from with with different things so i guess the way to think about this is when when we were using newspapers nick we used one eight special one eight hundred numbers where we could track anyone calling from our marketing to see how many people would call from those newspaper ads so we can track these metrics but today it's easier because with something as simple as like, I guess Facebook would probably be the easiest platform because that's going to go to Instagram and face the the older Facebook interface. You could run ads yourself pretty easily to a website. The older Facebook interface? Older Facebook. I don't know. I deleted my account. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and there's Instagram and Facebook. It's like one is just like, oh, this ancient, ancient thing. It really is. When I see the Facebook now on someone's computer, I'm like, oh, God. Um, so the older Facebook interface, <laughs> Instagram, you can really easily run ads to a specific website and track how much traffic you're getting to that website. So you can really get these metrics really easily. I'm just thinking for like somebody who might run a plumbing business and they're like, well, how am I going to do this? Well, you just run an ad yeah. on these services. Yeah, it's easier said than done because you need an ad that's, that can get attention and you need to offer people something that's interesting. But yes. But that, that's all the next step. I, I just mean the actual yeah, it's pretty simple foundation process. of what you need because then it's just iterative. At that point, you can just keep playing with things and changing them until you get the numbers that yeah. work for you. Yeah, 100%. I think that's where most people really start with their advertising online. Probably TikTok now. There's more and more people doing that, that type of stuff on TikTok. And then the biggest differentiator for us was thinking about the lifetime value of a customer. So that like over the lifetime of your relationship with a new customer, so to go back to plumbing, if you get a new plumbing customer, let's say you service retail and not the big construction um, sites and builders, you are servicing retail. When you get a call from, you know, a Roto-Rooter kind of situation, in the next three to five years, if that's the lifetime value of the customer timeframe that we're going to look at, how much revenue is that customer worth to you? Mm-hmm. And that was the kind of a, the big game changer for me because I'm like, holy smokes, acquiring this person once might cost me advertising dollars. But then if I just follow up with them and keep top of mind with them with good and valuable information through email or sending them self stuff, I'm likely going to get the next sale from them. Very high probability that I'm going to because they already know me. Very low cost of acquisition to follow up instead of earning a new customer. And the lifetime value of that customer then can be th- something that I can look at when I'm trying to acquire customers. Yeah, that's the that's the type of business that always kind of got me because I'm like that that's a tough one, right? So t- taking the roller type of, as an example because I agree with everything you're saying. It's just how long you just need a, a decent database to be able to go back and then start seeing that number develop and you know yeah, what time what time years for, yeah what time frame yeah. do you give that someone has to you know call but if you, you build up that customer list and follow up with it with it's so valuable. well then you could do upsells of like hey do you want your taps changed or do you want your shower tap yeah. changed do you want this like those are probably high or, margin activities that you can schedule into your slow periods with just a sale email that goes out that you can extract more revenue from your existing customer base. Yeah, well, we have one property that we've had to get the drain done a, a few times now because there's some root because it's an old pipe to the street, and there's some roots that will grow in. So we already know, like we know where they are. They're kind of hard to get to, but then to re- to rip up everything, replace the whole thing is just a big job. So we just kind of do it on maintenance. In that type of scenario, a customer like us, if they just reached out or marketed to us on a regular basis or put us on a yearly plan, they're like, hey guys, look, this um, thing is a yearly maintenance plan. That, exactly. Uh, during their slow times, yeah. right? We would just do it. And then they have an idea of kind of our our value to them. And like you said, if someone does a good job, especially for that type of thing, if someone does oh a good gosh. job and you know them, you trust them, you just call them, they go in and take care of it, you're going to keep using them. 
right? You don't, you're not going to shop around or I think most people aren't going to shop around for a $20 saving someplace. Like if all of a sudden their, their rates triple and no one else in the industry does, some I'm people sure. Are going to. So, yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. I know some people, but a lot of people won't because yeah. you know, it's what's worth it for the $20 just to have the peace of mind. Um, that, so there are those types of things that, that you can do it, but it, it's those types of systems that it, it it takes time to step back and not have to do the stuff you're doing because you're day. so busy trying to make immediate income yeah. that you can't fault people. You need to feed yourself and pay your rent and your mortgage. But this is the future. You know how we talk about now bank future bank? That's everyone needs now bank, like you said, mm-hmm. right? But you got to be depositing in the future bank as well, or you'll always be doing the same stuff. Right. At least that's how I look at it. You're always going to just be doing this, just be doing this because you haven't made the deposit into the future bank to give yourself the opportunity to grow that business and and, and move yourself into another role. So the way we think about the future bank is that if we have a relationship with existing people who haven't done business with us or existing customers, both of those groups together constitute what we would consider our database, our database. And that database could be your email list. It could be an Excel spreadsheet of a list of customers. And to us, that is the most valuable asset a business can ever possess is the database itself, a list of customers and potential customers, and your relationship with that. And I'll give you, Nick, just something came to mind as another example when you were speaking there. I always look at different hair salons, and hair salons I know have busy periods and slow periods. And when I talk to them, they, they tell me their high margin activities like, you know, I guess dyeing hair and all that kind of stuff, not cutting like all my hair. Because my hair takes yeah. twenty minutes and it doesn't. All, I, I all those strands, any, I all those strands. It's hard, to, it's hard to get off. Yeah. So I'm not like their most profitable customer. But uh, but if you have these high margin activities, they all seem to be centered around certain times of the week and certain seasons. So there'll be like wedding season and the holidays, and then just on average, different days of the week. And I always thought if they just had a database of their customers that they actively engaged in some communication with, so that the relationship wasn't cold in between visits, you could fill up those seats that are not used on like the Tuesday morning or the Wednesday morning or whenever is the slow time by just blasting out an email and offering some discount on those times when your seats are slow Mm -hmm. to get new customers in because you're not using those seats anyway. But because so many small businesses don't have that database and don't have a relationship with prospects and customers on an ongoing database and uh, sorry, on an ongoing um, basis, they can't really do those things. Yeah. I, you know, as you're talking, it's kind of slightly off topic, but uh, you know, a lot of uh, sports teams are gone to um, variable variable pricing depending on the the game time, the day of the week, the team they're oh, playing, and you know, that I type of stuff. It. I didn't know that. Right? No. Oh yeah, like that's all the leaf tickets and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, are Raptors, they? Oh yeah, because yeah, like Saturday night games are always way They'll more be more expensive, expensive yeah, depending yeah. on the team. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I just wonder how it, I, I don't have a hair salon to, to, to know, but in yeah, any like of that if, type of business, but if you, if had, you want Friday night before the weekend, it's this much more. versus you come Tuesday morning is this much and they might be able to fill up their seats that way. Cause there's some people that, that are going to be able make Tuesday morning work because they can save and, whatever the number is off, off yeah, their and there's some people on Friday that are going to pay even more of a premium to get Friday, yeah. you know, at 5 PM or 6 PM. Yeah. I wonder if that creates you know, this uh, system where people get ticked off, you know, but I don't know if you just implement it and like, this is kind of the way it works. It's just a calendar to book your slots. Yeah. I mean, and that's the different times. And especially if you like the person doing it, sure. Some people might find someone else who's cheaper, like in any business. Yeah. But if you're a good business and you're driving demand. Yeah. If we, if you know, I was involved in that type of business, that's definitely something worth, worth trying. Even someone like a, a personal trainer, if you're a personal trainer, I'm sure everyone wants, you know, either before work or just after work, maybe lunch. I don't know, right? Yeah. That, those are all the three times. But if someone's able to make it at 11 or to fill up the rest of your day instead of sitting around if you don't have other things to do. And it all comes back to having this database and having a communication with that, that database on an ongoing steady basis. Whereas most people who have customer databases of email addresses and mailing lists and that kind of stuff or text message numbers that they can communicate with, they never really use it other than appointment reminders. Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't the chiropractor dentist, like, let's take dentists, for example, if the dentist just told us, just decided, oh my gosh, we make so much money on teeth whitening, for example, if they just kind of sent you messages about teeth whitening because they had an ongoing communication with you for teeth whitening sale in between your visits or on to upgrade you right before you're coming for teeth cleaning, there's a certain percentage that are just going to take that teeth whitening. What is it to that? dentist add teeth whitening to the end of a teeth cleaning probably nothing on time used for the the chair and they can upsell that and it just it just becomes the communication with that database mm-hmm. has to be has to be so regular and offering things that aren't just 
selling. That's that they what I was going to ask you. Because everything you're saying is an example of someone selling them something. So if you were on that that list, right, you were getting that communication from the dentist or hairdresser or whoever, and every time they're emailing you, they're it's off, a sale. they're selling. Yeah, it gets annoying. Sucks, right? So and then that's I guess you know where some of the challenge comes for for people is there needs to be an investment into the relationship or into the database yeah. like you talked about. So the regular follow up where you're trying to offer something that might be of interest to them as well. And the, and it's so easy to me to offer of interest. Like if you have a dentist place, you likely have hygienists that are in there. You have the dentist or multiple dentists themselves. You have the front desk staff. You just turn all of these people into characters characters that you share stories of like so for example what what are we right now in february so like the super bowl isn't in february so like if you know julia at the front desk is a huge kansas city fan then you talk about that in your communications when you send them out and it's not always about dentistry and selling them something and people always kind of throw up on that idea because they're like oh my gosh like we're a professional dentist place and i can't communicate about my front desk staff being kansas city fans and uh my my retort back to that is look at some of the biggest media in the world right now it's all reality tv it's all big brother kardashians everything people pay attention to is the characters of people that is what human beings gravitate yeah. to as sad forms. as sad as it is yeah it's I mean, sad or not sad yeah no, I, I the state of the tv i think is sad not necessarily that we gravitate to stories but 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 uh yeah we gravitate to stories so everybody in your own business is like a, like a, and if we go back to the plumbing thing every plumber in there is gonna have every plumber's there's usually characters first of all and if you just kind of are accentuate that and share that in your messaging You can now share messaging that is offering value because you can give tips that are not just the standard tips from this corporation, but it could be from, hey, you know, Bill, the plumber, remember last time he was at your house and he was talking uh, talking about turning off the taps at winter? Well, he forgot to mention this. And by the way, he's cheering for Kansas City. Go KC. Now, all of a sudden, I can't believe I'm cheering are you, for KC. Yeah, I know. You said KC a number of times. Because gotta, the Bills you know, aren't in the, in, the, in the Super Bowl. Hey, you the go for the have, Eagles. You could, you could be a Mahomes I think the Eagles there, are maybe. going to win, though. I do feel like the Eagles are going to win. I don't know. We'll see. It's tough to see, though. Did, did um, Philly play KC this year? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to judge when you haven't seen it. It's that. tough because the conference finals, I'm a Niners fan, right? I don't know if I've, how much I talk about that, but I'm a Niners fan. So it's it's tough to see, for me to see how good Philly, I haven't really watched them this year. And then that game against San Francisco, just because what happened with the, with the quarterbacks, basically for almost the, the majority of the second half, they had a quarterback that couldn't throw the ball. So they were just trying to run the ball. Like there, there was just, the game was over, right? So I don't know how really good they are based on that game. No, I, I, I can't so tell. Tough. So it's tough for me to, it's, it's tough. tough. To, to see, but but I mean, I know they, they have a good record. Complete to me, like they really seem. You know, the NFC overall seemed weaker this year. They did, so, so except I don't know. for Philly. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, San Francisco won a bunch of games. You know what it is? I just I think I don't want KC to win. I respect Mahomes. Like that guy looks like a Hall of Famer already. And how old is he? Twenty seven or something? Yeah, <laughs> he looks like he's a Hall of Fame lock at twenty seven. I think I just want to hear Dan Patton talk about Mahomes. I don't think I want to hear. Yeah, I think it's about because he called it a di- after they won one Super Bowl. He's like, it's a dynasty. And ever since he said that to me, I've been like anti KC because I'm like, it's a dynasty. They just they won their first Super Bowl ever. How yeah. is this a dynasty right now at this point? Yeah. So I'm calling you out, Dan. If you're listening, I'm calling you out oh, right now. Gosh. <laughs> so like on the on the business side, I forget where we are there. The, just the database. The biggest thing I think that we have learned is that follow up to your potential customers and to your existing customers will have a huge benefit to your bottom line. I think at one point we looked at it for our business and we're shocked at the percentage that comes from following up with people. It's It's pretty much the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. Right. Like the 80% comes from follow up. Follow up. So if you're not, if you have a business today and you were sitting on a customer list that you've never followed up with and you just regularly start following up with them, even if you're not doing all the personality based marketing that we just alluded to, and you're just doing basic follow up, you are literally sitting on a gold mine of new business from your existing customers and potential customers because you've just never followed up with them. Yeah, and anyone that we've, you know, we've spoken to and was we've actually managed to get them doing that in any business and a variety of different types of businesses, they've all appreciated it. They've all been thankful that they did start doing it uh, by the end. You know, at first to get moving, you know, so I always thought, yeah, to build I, a I should habit. do this. But then anyone that's done it, they're like, yeah, this was the smart move. Well, follow up to me is a deposit into your future income. Because you know you're making, you know, we all have to make the business work today. You have to do what you're doing today. 
but by following up, it might not reap rewards that minute. But at some point over the next day, month, six months, because of your follow-up. Six years. Six years. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately. You know, we've unfortunately. Follow, listen, we followed up with people and many people have told us they've come to work with, uh, with us in our business after 10 years of getting our follow-up. And at the same time, we'll get responses to our emails, say, F off. Yeah, I don't Take look at those anymore. This, do we, we still get no, those? We don't look at those. I guess those. we probably do. We always get the, the odd yeah. one here or there, which is so funny because, you know, I, when we used to see those when it was us at the customer oh God, service thing. It hurt thing, so bad. It hurt so bad. But it, you, you almost wanted to, you, look, we, we would just delete them. But you want to write back saying, hey, see the thing at the bottom of the email that says unsubscribe? Like, you can just click that yeah. and you've unsubscribed. Isn't that easier than like writing back and telling someone, like, you're stupid? Yeah, yeah I always just have a bit of sympathy. But it's no different than, than social media. Like, you just, I don't know, I don't don't get get caught up and I don't look at our social media posts and start looking at the comments people saying things like that there's no there's no point there's, yeah. there's, I don't think that's a good use of anyone's time um, everything that we're sharing about some of the math around business building right now is also comes to mind for me anytime I watch Shark Tank or Dragon's Den because you see some entrepreneurs get up there yeah. like we are going to take the market sh- the market size of this market is a hundred billion dollars and even if we take point one percent you know it's a big opportunity for us and I'm like you know, and you could see some of the dragons are thinking this. Oh, they thing. are now. How do you get customers? What is the cost to acquire a customer? And then you see some of the entrepreneurs who go on those shows who know these numbers and some of the entrepreneurs, they're just, their eyes kind of light up because yeah. like, they just know their numbers. So it's, it's, it's the crux of business. But I guess the hardest point part of this, if you haven't started doing this, you have to start and stay diligent because it takes a year, two years to really get some solid data to know these numbers. Well, it depends on your business. If you have a, 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 bar, okay, if you have a barber, for example, yeah, yeah. Okay. the average guy comes in every four weeks, six weeks, five, yeah, I, whatever that's true. the average female, you know, customer with, you know, long hair comes in every whatever, two months, and but they only every second time they dye their hair, you can start doing some math. That is, so, so you can use some rough estimates um, depending on the type of business. Most businesses you can probably get dry cleaners. Well, you get a sense of how many people are repeating, just your monthly volume divided by monthly customers, you can get a sense of it. And, you know, so you get a rough idea, I think. And then what percentage do you think of any customers in a plumbing business or the hair salon that we were talking about or the dentist place would buy something more than the average sale. So like in sales, you might call it an upsell. Yeah. Maybe you would just call it a higher. I think Glazer always told, told us, so Bill Glazer, who's, you know, someone that we learned a lot of different business marketing stuff from as well. I think that when he spoke to it, he said it was always about 20% was, was like, was like the low hanging fruit. I feel like we found it was like 15% for our particular business. Maybe. Um, I don't know. We're probably at 20%. If you think of the numbers, you think so? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, got it. Got so it. we're probably yeah, yeah. so I would say yeah. probably to, so somewhere between yeah, fifteen and twenty yeah, percent, right about twenty yeah. percent. You're right. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. He might have said fifteen, but I, I for some reason no, no, he said head. twenty. Oh, yeah. No, I just thought for us we were converting at like fifteen percent. Yeah, I, th- and I think well, it just depends on how you do things and what yeah. what the, you know offers. Yeah. I guess as a rule of thumb, so call it between fifteen and twenty percent. Some places a relatively safe rule of thumb for people that are looking for a little bit more from a business that they do business with already. And so that was something that really is a game changer to your bottom line, because if 20% of your happy customers are looking to buy more from you or engage more frequently with you, that can change your profit margins on your whole business completely in a positive manner. So that's another big mathematical number that we've kind of learned is just 20% of your customers will spend more with you if you offer it. And most people, most businesses that I'm exposed to are not offering that. And sometimes like, I'm one of those hyper-responsive customers, you know this, so that if I'm look, if I like a business, I'm looking to spend more money with that business because I want to support the business. Like I'm a fan of the business. You should also join every referral program for anything you like ever. Because you promote it to everyone you know, like you walk around the office, guys. Yeah, like yeah. this is the best. Here's why this is the best coffee. I'll tell you. Here's <laughs> why it works. Here's how. Here's why this is the best coffee machine because it does no, this. Remember my disc this. profile? My disc profile was the, <laughs> the the what was it? The what's I interpersonal or something? Uh, yeah, I was like was off the thing. chart on I. Yeah. I was like high D, high I. Yeah, super high on both. Yeah, yeah. You basically came back. You no, know, something else you did. They said you were just a promoter or something like that. Yeah. Not just a promoter, but you came <laughs> back as a promoter. Um, but a, uh, you could see how Nick values. <laughs> Listen, this guy, Tom over here, he's just a fucking promoter, man. No, I think you could, ha- you could probably have 500 <laughs> different streams of income. Everything you use in your life, you're the number one referral partner for that. Good. Thing. So you know what? You I'm going to a referral program for Bitcoin and yeah. see I'm getting nothing back. 
track other than I'm just looking to promote something I believe in. I only promote things I believe in. No, I know. I, that, that 100%. And not if even I don't that, believe in it, I will not promote it. You I won't even, that. not even that you believe in it. It's, it's pretty much, you're using it yourself. Yeah. Every, anything that I can think of that comes to mind yeah. is something you've The reason we got into real estate is because I just so thoroughly yeah. believe this was a way to get ahead financially that I'm like, we need to tell people about real estate. Either you're using it yourself or you use so much of it that your body can't handle it. Yeah, anymore. yeah, I've definitely. And that's done some that. cases. That was butter coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Remember when I was on the Kerry Gold uh, kick? Yeah, I was loving butter. Uh, don't talk good. to Kerry Gold still. That that's I, I got a bone to pick with uh, whatever our, our Ontario dairy farmers or whatever yeah. the quota system is. We need. We to, have dairy we farmers who listen to our podcast. Okay, so you know. So we need someone needs to go to the political guys of the dairy farmers, or not the true farmers. The political, the 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 Congo, the 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 organized little group of executives up there or whatever that doesn't let anything else come in we need carry gold or no we just make better butter here oh okay i'd rather because that. I, I, feel uh, yeah. like, I feel like we just the butter the carry gold butter from ireland it just tastes so good it, 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 it just tastes yeah. so freaking yeah good. It, compared to the grass-fed butter here it's not even the same oh. but i think our rules from my understanding is our rules for producing dairy are different right they're very strict on the way how much and the way it works in Ontario, yeah, some Ontario farmer something. showed how much he was dumping yesterday. Did you see that? Wasn't it crazy? Crazy. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe that because they have quotas on how much milk yeah. they can sell. Or and where about my beef? They just got shut down for selling or fined and, and had to go to court and stuff. For what for raw sell, milk for selling raw milk? Yeah. God, we're fighting such silly battles, <laughs> but like there must be a reason. I don't know what. Maybe we can just go to Ireland and steal their grass <laughs> and plant it here. And then that grass is fed to the cows here. Because there's something that in that Irish. Could, yeah. No, it must be the Irish grass. Actually, if you just, yeah, it's got to be the Irish grass. What else is it? These cows are eating grass. We got to get the Irish grass here. We need somebody to get the Irish grass and plant it. Where can we hey, grow Irish grass here? But if you're bringing Probably, it back in your suitcase, climate, don't... like Nova Scotia or something like that, it must oh, be they get really climate. cold. Don't they get really cold yeah. in the winter? Colder I than don't Ireland. I the climate of Ireland. So maybe we have to do it in southern British Columbia. Windsor. Windsor. Niagara. Yeah, we maybe could we could just do it somewhere. in Niagara next to the vine. Maybe we could have the the, vi- the vineyards there and some great pastures for grass-fed butter. Yeah, I'm not advising anyone to start bringing that back in their suitcase, but I might. But listen, <laughs> this is... I'm it, getting pulled into no, customs next is, time for this sure. This is a classic example of some customers will pay more because, Nick, if they had, if Kerrygold butter was available here in Ontario, you would pay more for it. And that goes to somebody who's a butter customer who's hyper-responsive to butter, knows the quality of butter that they want, and would pay good dollars for that butter, more than the average stick of butter. So like, if you separate all customers, there's gonna be a certain percentage of butter customers that are just gonna pay more for a higher-end product. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I drive to the US. I feel like I'm insulting grass-fed uh, butter here in Ontario, but it really just isn't the same. Well, the ones that I find, the, the there's a specific one, I forget the brand, but the one that I find at the grocery store most of the time, um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not good. It's just not Compared to the other good. ones, it's not, the color's not even right. It's way too white, it should be more yellow. Yeah. I don't know, compared to the other ones that I enjoy more that are softer and have a yellow. different it's feel. It's yellow. Yeah, like and number, there's multiple. There is not the first one. There's we've had the ones from France, we've had the ones from Ireland. We, like the French one's good, President. Yeah, but it's this, it's it's more yellow as well. Yeah. There's um mm. even the there's what's the yellow and green package here? Um I forget. It's not Kerrygold, but Whole Foods had it for a while than they didn't. I think Longos carries it now. But anyways, yeah, yeah, that yeah. one's more yellow. Like yeah. the, then there's the uh, the one I'm thinking of, I, I forget the name. They make milk, grass-fed milk as well, and, and that one's just so white for some reason. I, I, maybe some, maybe there's a reason they can explain to me why that one's harder and white compared to all the other. No, growing butters. up in like cartoons, cartoons were always colored yellow, and anytime I saw it anywhere, it was yellow. There's not this white butter thing is just different. So if we were to map out the math that you use in business, and we were to break it all down from start to finish, and expand on what we just said, I think we would look at not just cost per lead, number of leads to get a customer, cost per customer, and lifetime value of a customer. Those are the main ones. But before cost per lead, we would look at things like how much, how many clicks are we getting to our website from the Facebook ad? So we could also measure that. So if we spend $100 on Facebook, how many clicks are we getting to the website? And then when people get to the website, how many of those clicks are converting to raise their hands or show some interest in our business? Mm -hmm. And then on the back end, we could start measuring repeat customers 
and the 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 amount of time people are make, are are taking to make their first purchase, second purchase, and measure all those things on the back end. You can go as deep as you want in this stuff. And the reason I'm sharing that is once you start breaking out the math of business like this, it just becomes a math problem. And business really isn't complicated. It's just how much value can I offer the marketplace? And let me start measuring their response to the value that I'm presenting. And if the response is crap, either I'm just poor at exposing and sharing the value to the marketplace, or there's just no one's perceiving the thing I'm offering is of any value. So then I can choose two things. I can change businesses, or if I'm convinced the thing I'm offering is of value, I can get better at marketing it to get more attention and tracking these mathematical numbers. And I think that's what I liked about doing business this way is that business just became a math problem. It was more of a form. It was a form As a form is not a mystery. Offer something of value and track it. And then I think after this, Nick, we're not gonna have time. What time it's, um, we're not gonna have time to talk about all of this stuff. So maybe we talk about it another time. But one of the next things we were gonna talk about is that once you have this stuff, you can build momentum in this by putting some systems around each of these components. And we'll save that for another day because maybe we'll talk about some of the mindset stuff, Nick, because I think that's where a lot of people. Yeah, and that is a a challenge because when you're new at this, there is a lot of mindset stuff when you're going when you're going through this, um, this type of stuff that you got to be aware of. I mean, one, like we talked about is just, you know, being able to have a thick skin when you're going through things, when you put yourself out there, because a lot of people's fear is putting themselves out there in marketing or in follow up communicating with their Especially if you're going to use personality based marketing and share, you know, your yourself or your staff yeah. into the marketing. You do have to get over that. How did we get over that? Because we both now will just gladly share anything going on in our lives in our marketing. I think we've, I don't know about you. I think we kind of talked about this before and you said maybe I was, I had more of this younger than, than you, but I think both of us kind of were comfortable enough with ourselves that we just didn't respond that much to the negativity that would be thrown if anything came back our way. So we were comfortable putting ourselves out there. Like I was just, didn't really, from a fairly young age, I just didn't care. Yeah, you had no need for approval. Most people have a need for approval. That's a better way to say, I was going to say I didn't care what other people thought of me. So, which I didn't, in some ways I didn't like, you know, but as long as I wasn't out there being a jerk or, or, or taking advantage of people and doing that type of stuff, that's different. Right. But if I was just being who I was and I wasn't harming anyone or, you know, accidents, you know, what, uh, you know, thing, anything happens, you know, there's accidents that happen, but I just mean, I wasn't going out of my way to purposely be harmful to people or something. Then I just am who I am. And I'm like, I don't know if you, you like me or you don't, it's kind of your problem. But I know our, our, our mom kind of comes from that a little bit, I think. And she kind of had to grow thick skin, I think with some kind of family stuff. I'm not sure, but that seems to be, I, I, I think there's some of that where it came from there. I'm not sure. So in business then definitely it helps you to have no need for approval from others. Because I think when you're putting yourself out there for the first time in any way in business, in any different way, you're going to be attacked. Well, I, I don't think attack, you're attacked by attack by isn't the right word. There's going to be some people that don't. You like might feel you. attacked. Yeah, there's going to be some people that don't like. Look, if you walk into a room of 500 people, thousand, hundred people, whatever it is, there's a percentage of people in that room that are going to like you. They're going to like who you are. They're going to get along with you. There's a small percentage that you could be great friends with and and hang out all the time. Then there's a slightly larger percentage that they like you. You could converse and mm. they don't mind seeing you. You guys can have a couple laughs together. Then there's you know a, a larger percentage that don't probably care for you that much. They're just like, they're indifferent to you. And then there's a small percentage on the other end of the spectrum that don't really like you. They don't want to hear from you and that type of thing. And that's that's nothing to do with you. That's just numbers. That's just our society. That's just any group of humans. Yeah, human nature. Yeah, we just have different personalities. So I think just you just it's just a numbers game. So you just got to come to terms with that and, and be comfortable not being all things to all people. Like if, mm-hmm. if, you know, someone's listening to this and they don't like us, well, that's cool. I mean, you know, that's no problem. You listen to something else. Someone's listening to this right now, looking for reasons to hate us. Yeah. Sure. So maybe we said something today. Maybe they don't like grass. Maybe it's the dairy farmer and they're, they're pissed off at us now. No, but, they're probably just, no, they're probably agreeing. They're just pissed at the, the, the restrictions they have on them. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, I think that's what it is. So it's just being comfortable with that. Like you don't have to be all things to all people. And when someone, when you're not something for someone, that's okay. Like that's actually good because it allows you then more bandwidth to fit someone else into, you know, whoever you're speaking to focus to. on your people. Yeah. That, that if you, if, if, if someone's in business or starting a business or going to start marketing for the first time, that essay that's online about a thousand true fans, I forget who the author mm-hmm. is. It's so valuable. Kevin Kelly, I think, is that who, I, think who, who so. I forget, but it's so good. Like it's so simplistic. 
mm-hmm. right? And it's just, it just explains that. That is such a great art. You don't have to be all things to all people. You just need for any business to be truly successful. You just need a thousand true fans. And you just, what you do and what your everyday, you know, the business activities is you just, you, you serve those, you create value or give value to those thousand true fans. And if you focus on whoever those people are, that's kind of all you need to do. So that's the, that's a huge point. And I think where I was coming to with the comment, I like where you went with it better was that when you do marketing that is not approved by the industry association that you're oh, in. Gosh, yeah. So if you're part of the plumbing association or the dentistry, I'm sure there's a dentist of Ontario's association and they probably have like rough professional guidelines for the way you advertise as a dentist. And if you don't fall within those guidelines and you go outside those guidelines, people in your that community are probably going to chuckle, laugh, behind your back or you know whatever make fun of you in some capacity and you can't have a need for approval from those people otherwise you'll just never get head in your marketing but i think i like the way you went with it better that you just need a thousand true fans and not everyone's going to like you so just do whatever you i guess just be true to yourself and try to look for those a thousand true fans i think the same thing that helped us nick and it helped me here at this way was a similar concept was to have the mindset of an immunity to criticism that like when you get into business, some people are going to criticize you and you have to let that roll like water off a duck's back. Because if you don't, you're going to internalize that criticism. And it's hard when we started, when you're talking about like people unsubscribing from our email list and putting like, fuck you in the thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we would internalize it. I think I said F you just for the record. Yeah. Okay. F U C K U. (laughs) And, uh, you, you feel horrible. Like you internalize that. Oh God. It was, it it was like my heart got ripped out. Yeah. So you (laughs) have to develop this immunity to criticism where people are just going to be who they are and you're on the constant lookout for your thousand true fans. Yeah. I was listening to, uh, if anyone listens to Joe Rogan, you know, like lots of people that come on his show and I was listening to a podcast, uh, one of his episodes recently and they were talking about, um, it was that, that couple or not, I think they're a couple, but it's a, it's a, it's two people that, um, uh, they host the podcast Breaking Points. I think it's some political okay. podcast. Anyways, it's like one person on the right, one person on the left, and they discuss things. But they discuss things like in a in a good way. So he's had them on a couple times. But uh, they were talking about um, comments online, and he, you know, and he's he's shared this on a number of things. He, he stopped reading all his comments a long time ago, and he tells other people. Obviously, I'm I'm not equating us or, or you know, no, gosh, the, the average entrepreneur to, yeah. to the volume that that celebrities or someone with with that type of following would get. But um, but he, you know, he just he tells everyone he's like yeah, i stopped looking at that stuff a long time ago i had to just for mental health mm-hmm. but so many of people and even people that you think would we'd be comfortable not looking at it just comfortable in themselves they look at it and they get caught up in it and it's just yeah you just got to move on from that mm-hmm. totally got to move on it's in, in our world for sure especially when it's like all electronic just being shot at you you just just forget it do what you if you're doing the right thing for the right people if you found the right people for your market and you're doing right by them and you're creating value for them the rest is just noise. Um, hearing you say this, I'm like, how did we kind of learn all these different concepts that have helped us? And, and what we're sharing might not help everyone, but definitely helped us. And I think it was just a lot of different books. And it, something just flashed to me. The couple books on uh, these subjects that really helped were, um, first of all, was self-image. I don't think either of us had a big problem with self-image, but it's Psycho-Cybernetics. That book, multiple people have read that book and given us feedback that it's really helped them with their personal self-image. So if you're listening to this and you struggle with any self-image problems at all, check out the book Psycho-Cybernetics. I forget the author, co-author, I think. Dan Kennedy bought the rights to it. He's like the co-author. I feel like, yes. Dr. Maxwell. Maxwell or something. Maxwell Maltz. Maltz. I think it's Maltz. M-A-L-T-Z, I think. So Psycho-Cybernetics. And then on the marketing front, Nick, two books really stand out to me. It's, um, do you remember Chet Holmes' book? Yeah. Um, The Ultimate Sales Machine? Yeah, yeah. I forgot that book. Yeah. I I even forget almost what's in there, but I remember after reading it. He was mapping out because it was all the stuff that we kind of knew, but he was putting it into this book and outlining it. Also, I think it's called the ultimate. He passed away. I believe we didn't. We we had. But he's saying that, and he didn't. But no, I agree because we had him lined up for one of the before like That's the right, podcast, yeah. like a month the audio, and then he had passed away before the thing. Yeah, I remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure that 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 is what happened. Un- unfortunately, yeah, the ultimate. Sorry, 
Sales Machine. Yeah, Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. That book is absolutely incredible if you're into interested in this stuff. And then another book would be um, Michael Masterson's book. That's his pen name, uh, Ready, Fire, Fire, Aim. So if you want another book that talks about some of this stuff, and that one, Michael Masterson. There's a lot of things that we went through. I, I forgot about all. How do you but, remember the names of these? I'm not good at that. I remember some, some of them little, just really hit me. Like yeah. The Ultimate Sales Machine, I remember reading. I think I got to the third chapter, and I was like, I've already taken enough from this book that I can put it down. Cause he goes into, he doesn't just go into marketing in this book. He goes into sales. Cause I think he worked with Tony Robbins and a lot of the stuff he was taking from what Tony Robbins did. Cause he was the marketing guy that where they measured everything and Tony Robbins infomercials and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, um, the, uh, the ready fire aim book, we got a chance to meet Michael Masterson. His real name's Mark Ford. And, uh, that ready fire aim book was so good. Cause he started multiple 10 million plus gross revenue businesses, 100 million plus. So he was coming from a place of tons of experience and he condensed it into that ready fire aim book. Do they even sell? sell Those are the best ones that, you know, the books from people, in my opinion, the books from people that have actually done it, because there's a lot of authors that have like these ideas and they have these theory based ideas that this is a great thing. And I'm I'm like, that sounds good. I read so many of those books, Harvard business review from different, from different professors. And you're like, you would take it as the Holy grail because it might be coming from Harvard or something. There was, nothing actionable no but you listen to someone like like um read this book from you know ready fire aim from michael masterson and and to me i, I could take so much more from oh, that because oh. all first-hand experience and when someone's speaking from that first-hand experience with such certainty you're like oh i get it like it just yeah it comes off differently totally right so so psycho cybernetics good for self-image stuff and then practical business building number oriented stuff ready fire aim the oh, complete- look the hardcover is only 135 dollars yeah, i guess they stopped selling yeah they stopped selling yeah. but the kindle's nine nine bucks so even you can the get paperback's kindle. 47 dollars. yeah so they stopped i guess it's not in print anymore but yeah. you can get the kindle for 10 bucks holy shit yeah yeah, four, everything's look, digital, man. Get look, a Kindle. four used from seventy dollars. I know, but a book like that, I need the paper based one. Yeah, to open it and highlight it and circle it and, and yeah, this, like the um, autobiographies and you know that type of stuff. I can read on the Kindle. I read faster. I actually prefer it. But this type of stuff, I kind of like wow. to sit with it a bit. So that yeah, those two books are are really good and uh, psycho cybernetics. And I was just going to say an- another. If I if I go back to mindset for a second. Nick, we'll wrap here. Yeah, just maybe five, six, seven minutes, something like that. But um, the uh, one of the other things on around mindset that was really useful, I think, to us was, you know, it's difficult to grow a business um, with just goals. You actually have to improve yourself. So, by way of example, I guess I had this one idea for a business called Sales in the City. And that business, the idea was I was going to get all the newspapers because back then all the flyers still came out on Saturdays and Sundays. And I was going to group all the sales and put out this email list and it was going to be something that people want. This was early. This was, this was super early. This was dial up internet days. Yeah. Like, like this we, way back. Yeah. Yeah. Way back, this, yeah. this, this was early. Yeah. I don't even own the domain name anymore, but, but, uh, and I thought, oh, what do people want? And I go, oh my gosh, people want sales. So I'll just gather, I'll aggregate all the sales from the newspapers. And I, and I thought I was brilliant because I'm like, oh, Carol will love doing this. I since then learned that, you know, Carol will enjoy going to a sale, but to like sca- scavenge all the information up from newspapers and put it into an email list, not really the most exciting thing for her. But uh, we'll gather up all the uh, sales, put it in email and offer that to people on a weekly basis. And this email list just started growing virally. And we got um, we got a, uh, um, media in Chatelaine Magazine, didn't even pay for it. Like they just picked us up and put us in Chatelaine Magazine. And I closed it down because Carol wasn't really happy gathering the sales. I really wasn't happy because I didn't believe in, in retail sales. And I started to learn that like some of the shoe stores like always had like a 60% off sale. Like it wasn't a real sale. Like they just always had a sale. So I guess whenever you're looking, it looks like they have a sale, but like every week they had like a different sale. So I was like, oh, this is like kind of bullshitty. It's not like really a yeah. sale. Um, so I kind of got disenchanted a little bit and then we just stopped it. And I think it was like four or five years later, that's when Groupon came out and yeah, it went like public. AJ, Groupon, yeah. there's all these, these and, ones that came up, but Groupon, was Groupon went public for a billion dollars and it was basically yeah. the same concept. But the reason I'm sharing that is I wasn't the person to grow that business. I didn't have the business background. I didn't have the marketing knowledge. I didn't have the operational background. I just wasn't the person. And so there's two sides to business. It's understanding a lot of the math that we're talking about here, but also you have to work on yourself as a person. And sometimes that's developing your business building skills, but also developing your character and who you are. 
And I think for me, really what helped me as a person evolve, not that I'm perfect by any means, but was deciding that I'm going to live by principles, you know, do the right thing, treat others as you would treat yourself and give 110%. And not that I'm perfect on any of those, but I strive to do well in each of those categories. And somehow over years of trying to live with those principles and staying integrity with those principles helped me evolve. And it helped me in business become the person that could grow a slightly bigger business. And I know you've kind of, we've followed those principles in this business for a long time. And I, and it, you, you don't talk about that in business building, but I think you need that type of mindset and it helps to build a business to have that type of mindset or, or live by some principles, not the ones that I just repeated, but have your own principles that you're going to live by. Somehow that benefits you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm, I'm pausing because I, I, I definitely agree, and I'm just trying to. I'm trying to. I guess the reason balance it out with how much of it is just the experience over time too that allows you to then sure. But by living by principles, it steers you because you can. You I think I, especially early on. Yeah. Well, you and I were presented with a lot of opportunities early on to make quote unquote big money yeah. that would have made would have been the bad wrong decision. The long and we just well, felt, it just wasn't. It didn't align with us. Didn't yeah. align with our principles, so we didn't do those things. And I guess the reason I'm sharing this is that there's just some value instead of just always focusing on a goal, like I'm, I'm going to sell this many widgets or I'm going to sell this much of my service in business. There is some value to working on you as a person. Yeah. And I guess I'm speaking to myself when I say this, because I'm always trying to work on myself too and find my own deficiencies and my own weaknesses and, and just notice them and be aware of them and, and, and try to you know, steer around them and, and, and stay true to these principles. And I just don't think it's discussed a lot. And I think it really has value in business. And I think when people see you as a person of principle, it somehow reflects on the business as well. And again, I'm not trying to say we're perfect at this. No. I just think that there's value in visualizing the person you want to become and not just the goals that you want to achieve. Well, if you're, when you're, yeah, if you're going to be the, 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 the leader or the face of your business in some way, whether it's through marketing or, or for someone else, I think then there's going to be people that either like you or dislike you, which we, we spoke about. And, and if people know what you stand for, then it allows them to then relate to you one way or the other and decide whether or not they want to do business with you or, or, you know, yeah. at least, at least explore that. Um, if the opportunity arises and they, they're looking for something that, you know, in the, in the realm of what you do. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think this would be one last thing that we can come. Sorry. Cause I'm just yeah. trying to think like, I was trying to think, think of a good example. So like, if you look at uh, Steve jobs, as an example, um, versus Bill Gates, right? There's some people that just really like Bill Gates right now because of the others, you know, th- different theories out there about he's buying up all this farmland or he was involved in vaccines and he was doing, you know, he was installed putting microchips in people or whatever. But what, regardless of what you believe, like at the time when, when Bill Gates, when, when Jobs was leave, leading Apple and Gates was leading Microsoft, Jobs, who he... He, who he portrayed himself to be when he was doing all those launches, when, when Gates really wasn't doing that. He was just kind of not hiding, but he wasn't in the forefront and in the limelight. And I think a lot of people moved over to try, at least try Apple products because there's this guy mm-hmm. that was this kind of, you know, nerdy, super embodied smart. That, something. Yeah, that people were like, I just want to kind of support that thing and the way he spoke. And like, he was a good salesman, right? But they because he was on the forefront, people, a lot of people were looking at Apple in a different light because of that person and what, how he chose to kind of live, you know, I guess, in, or the principles he what had he the, biz, the, the business, what, what the business stood for and those principles. And I think that kind of served them really well mm-hmm. at that time. And I th- so it might be going to a higher message that we both believe in, in that the business itself should stand for something more than what you are selling or offering as a service. And I think Apple did that really well. So Steve Jobs as a person, to your point, like what he stood for and the principles that he stood for. And then Apple always just kind of stood for a little bit of the underdog, the revolutionary, you know, coming out with the product that was like beautiful and elegant to look at versus Microsoft that looked like it was just in it for the money and the quick sale and had all these bugs and they released it and that kind of stuff or else, or at least that's how it was perceived. Yeah. Right. And I think when you think of somebody like Elon Musk, too, when you think of him. Yeah, that's a good example. Because Elon Musk seems to me, if I was to, to think of him beyond a car guy or a rocket ship guy, he's standing for someone on the forefront of technology, on the forefront of AI. With What's the thing he's going to hook up to your brain? 
Oh, yeah. it seems like scary shit. Anyway, the, he seems like someone who's always pushing technology to a next level, whether it's using drills to bore tunnels under the ground for to ease transportation, which I have no idea. Isn't launching the equivalent of an office building into space soon, soon right? Isn't it yeah. like this month or next month <laughs> yeah. or something? But um, so he just seems like he stands for the the edge of human, you know, innovation. And he's on the forefront, whether it's cars or space travel or whatever it is that he's doing. And he always has been PayPal before, yeah. right? He's always yeah, like him or not. It's, it's yeah. not about liking him or not liking Elon. It's mm-hmm. just about that. Just kind of that's the what he's his. It's almost the principles that he goes by that he then trickles down to the companies. Yeah, exactly. And I think the company itself can stand for something more than just the product. Like I think Tesla stand rightly or wrongly. We can argue about climate and if electric cars are saving the environment, like it's all like, or if they're supporting uh, child labor. Yeah. Like it's a mess. Let's face it behind the scenes. But if you just look at the image that a company like Tesla is portraying or the mind space it has in most people's minds is that it's electric cars saving the world. Mm I mean, that's rightly or wrongly. I'm not like defending that by any means. I just think that the business can have a higher message and it's really valuable. Anyway, we we veered way off course there. I took us into some weird spot there, but I I appreciate you for sticking with me on that. Um, I was stuck here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anything else you want to want to share? I guess. I mean, there's so much on this this type of stuff. Um, yeah, that's the, the, the the. Yeah, there's just so much. But this is this has been essential, at least for us, and it was just kind of groundbreaking when we learned it. But I think the it, it's what helped is when we saw it in practice. We were fortunate enough to see it in practice with a number of different businesses, and it really kind of hit home. We're like, wow, this is this was something that we think could be really valuable, and then it, it it's really changed the way we did we did things. Yeah. And it's well, I think beneficial. if we if you, we go to a business now and you ask a couple of questions and the business owner or operator doesn't yeah. have the answers, you immediately know there's so much potential in this business that is not happening. It's so obvious when you watch Shark Tank and they ask these questions and some, if someone can't answer them, it's like, it, you, and it yeah. doesn't have to be Shark Tank, but it's just, it, that's the most widespread example that I, you can use, right? Or Dragon Center or, or, you know, a show like that. And even when you see it, it's just, when you don't have the answers to these questions, you almost don't, have a complete there's there's a real you gap have an idea in, yeah there's a gap in the business still yeah. and whether or not the business already generated revenue and is past the idea stage there's a big gap there mm-hmm. and it's hard to determine where the value of that business where it can or can't go until you kind of have this because this was what allows you to really start deciding if you want to move it forward or not yeah and i guess this is just like basic economics because if you don't have these numbers you don't know if the economy or the marketplace is valuing what you're bringing to the market you just have an idea yeah. But yeah, if you sorry. have these numbers, you can literally mathematically show someone, hey, the market is valuing my idea because look at these numbers. Yes. Yeah, I got you now where you're coming with where, where you, what you yeah, were so saying. It's, it's almost like basic economics should, you know, in any economics class, this should be taught because this is a way to measure your economic value that you're presenting and the marketplace's response yeah. to that presentation. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with me. <laughs> Hey everyone, hopefully you stuck with us there at the end. I think I veered us off track with some of that mindset stuff at the very end. Um, I definitely enjoy that stuff. And I'm not sure where I took us and what rabbit hole I started to go down. Uh, We are going to explore the mindset of entrepreneurs and business builders and real estate investors as a whole um, on another episode. So we will tackle that in a little bit more depth in the future. And if you are listening to this and you haven't checked out rockstarinnercircle.com yet, you should. You have links to everything that we put out there, including the podcasts, Rockstar Minute videos, the different YouTube videos that we put out there, the reports and books, and our weekly email. If you're not part of our weekly email, email list. What are you waiting for? This is the follow-up that we talk about on this very episode. If you go to rockstarinnercircle.com and you scroll down a little bit, you'll be able to put in your name and your email address and join that weekly email um, email list. And that is on rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>